I'm pulling my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay. So today I'm going to continue with my tales of dragons from Tarkir. So I, I've last couple podcasts I've been talking about the design, and I got into talking about cards. Uh, in fact, last podcast I got all the way to B, all the way to B. I didn't even finish B, but I started B. Um, oh no, I finished B. Sorry, I got, I got, I, I finished B, and now I'm up to C. Whole podcast, and I got all the way up to C. Okay, but there's a lot of cool cards starting with C, so let's get it going. Okay, so we're gonna start with Circle of Elders. So that is a green card. It costs two green, green. So four mana total, two which is green. It's a two four human shaman. It has vigilance and it has formidable tap for three colorless. Okay, so remember everybody that formidable, let's talk about formidable a little bit. Formidable is a mechanic where if you have eight or more powers of creatures, you, you either gain an ability or when you come into play, you gain an enter the battlefield effect, but you, you get some advantage for having that many. So this card um, cares about it in play. What it means is um, this card has an ability that it, ga- it gains if it has that. So it's something where um, the nice thing about formidable things that are on permanence is that you might not have a power creature when you play it, but eventually you can. And this creature has two power. So on some level, it's formidable, but two of the powers are already spoken for in this card. So really you need six other. That's an interesting thing with Formidable is if you put it on a creature and you care about that creature being in play, um, you get to count that creature toward the Formidable cost. So, like, this card really means at some level, Formidable, I need six others, which is a little way you can, you can adjust Formidable. Um, the other thing about this card is what it does is it says, well, what would I want if I have a lot of creatures in play? And they're like, well, how about the ability to play even more things? And so it definitely helps you ramp up. It's sort of like as you get enough creatures... Um, this is the kind of card that gets you, once you get to the mid-game, it can help get you to the end game. It's like, okay, I have enough creatures in play, but now I can start playing even bigger and larger spells and creatures. Okay, next, Clone Legion. Seven, blue, blue. So nine mana total, it's a sorcery. For each creature target player controls, put a token copy of that creature onto the battlefield. Um, so the idea is, um, this is a mythic card. So one of the things we do from time to time is, uh, I actually designed this card, and, and this is a good example of how we sometimes make mythics, which is, okay, I want to make an effect that's a normal magic effect, but I want to, you know, mythic it! How do I, how do I turn it up to 11, to use a Spinal Tap uh, reference? Um, how do I make it and, and make it as, as much as I possibly can? So it's like, okay, well, we have clones. Clones copy things. Well, how can I, how can I turn that up? And like, well, what if I just clone everything? Um, and so what we did is we made a target player. So you, it, it's two options here. Either I can, my opponent or one of my opponents has has a lot, and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to have what they have. Or it could be I have a lot, and I just want to double up what I have. And so this card lets you do either thing. I mean, it costs nine mana, so it's a lot. But it's a pretty big, splashy effect. It's about as, you know, as cloning goes, I clone the team. It's pretty big. So, um it's a fun card, and for those that don't know, I love cloning things. Uh, I love doubling things. I love cloning things. I love tokens. Um, anyway, it does all those things, or, or I mean, and more. Okay, next, uh, Collected Company. So this is an instant. It costs three and a green, four mana, one of which is green. Look at the top six cards of, of your library. 
put up to two with CMC three or less onto the battlefield, but the rest in the bottom of the library in any order. Um, so this is an interesting card. So one of the things is green has the ability to get cards from the library onto the battlefield. Um, and in the past, we've done a lot of tutoring. But one of the things in general is R&D has become a little wary of tutoring. The problem with tutoring is that it just recreates game state. Like, one of the cool things about Magic is you shuffle your deck. And, like, different things always happen, depending on what I draw. Um, but with tutors, what we found is, well, it doesn't matter. Once you get the tutor, you effectively always get the same thing. So that tutor represents the same card a lot of the times. And so what would happen is people would play the card they, they, they need to make their deck work and then play tutors. And then what happened was between drawing the different tutors and the card itself, like, it just guaranteed of you drawing what you're going to do and it made the gameplay more repetitive. Um, now, that consistency is probably good from a winning standpoint because you want to get the card that's going to win the game for you. But from a gameplay, from a fun standpoint, it just makes more repetition of play. So we still have tutoring, but we really cut back on it. And this is a good example of the space we've been starting to play around with is instead of letting you have access to all the library, we let you have access to some of the library. So this card, for example, does two things. One is it says, okay, you get to look at the top six cards in your library. That's the, that's the library you get to look at. Not all the library, not every card in the library, the top six cards. The second thing is we put a restriction on it, so it can get two things, but they have to be smaller things, CMC three or less. Um, usually that's a restriction we tend to use more with white. White is the champion of the small things. Um, but the idea was, let's try that out here in green and see, you know, can we, I mean, green is allowed to get any creature, so it can get a subset of the creatures, but uh, by letting it get small things, we could let it get two. Um, and I know this, that, this, this card has seen some play, and it's, um, you can do some fun things with the card. I think, I think it's pretty cool. Um, even without tutoring, you still can make cards that, that people can play in Constructed. It, it, just, it just changes things up a little bit. It, it creates a little bit more variety in it. Because what happens is, when you can draw it out of your library, the, what it says is, only play exactly what you need. Don't play anything else. Where if you have to draw it from the top of your library, what it says is, you want to play a lot of the thing you care about so that you, you, have, you can guarantee that you'll have something there. But it requires you to sort of stretch a little bit. So, like, when I play this card, I don't always know what I'm going to get because I'm restricted to top six cards. And to make sure that I have the top six cards, I've played a variety of different things. Um, so it just, it just leads to a little more interesting gameplay, a little more variety in gameplay, and at least a deck building that's a little less plan A, and it allows you to have a plan B and a plan C, which I think is cool. Okay, next. Commune with Lava. I'm not sure how one communes with Lava, but... I guess red mages will do their thing. Okay, so XRR, or X red red, so it's an X spell, and it also requires two red. It's an instant. It says exile the top X cards of your library until the end of your next turn, you may play them. Okay, so one of the things that we've been looking for over the last couple of years is ways to help red do more things. And one of the big things about red is red, red has a short-term view of life. And the problem was, from a gameplay standpoint, it's like, win now, win now, win now. And uh, people are like, can we give a little more depth to red? You know, okay, we, we like red having its flavor, but is there ways to sort of stretch it a little bit? So one of the things we came up with, um, and, and this, this actually was based on some comments from my blog, from my blog dog, um, was talking about how we could expand upon red. Uh, and one of the ideas that we came across is, well, what if red gets to do what other colors get to do, but in a more short-term way, meaning it has to, its effect is a temporary effect, not a permanent effect. 
And so when we apply that to card drawing, it says, okay, well, what if red temporarily draws cards? Well, what does that mean? How do you temporarily draw cards? And the answer was what we now refer to as impulsive draw, which is, well, what if red draws things, but it must play them right away? And so this card makes an X spell, uh, uh, an impulsive X spell draw card. Um, but the problem is, if you use all your mana to get all the cards, then you don't have any time, you have no mana to play them. So what this card does, it does something a little bit different for our, our impulsive draw spells, which is it gives you one more turn. It, 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 it's not that you have to use it this turn, which is normally how we do it, but you have to use it by the end of next turn. Um, and that's something a little bit different. Um, so for those, so, uh, in general, one of the reasons, by the way, we don't normally make it um, next turn, we make it this turn, is just the memory issues are easier when it's this turn. We try, as a general rule of thumb, to be careful how often we make effects that don't have something to mark them. Like, an aura is fine, because you have the aura to mark it. You have the aura to tell you. Um, but one of the things we want to be careful about is making sure that you have some record of knowing what you have to do if it goes beyond a turn. So normally, when we create effects that don't have a marker, we limit it to a single turn. But... This is a good example where you can't make an X spell. If I use all my mana to draw cards, and I have none mana left. It's just not an interesting spell. So this particular spell, we, we made an exception. It's, uh, I think it's a rare card, so it's not something that you'll get super often and limited. Okay, next. Contradict. Three blue, blue, instant. Um, so it is a five mana spell, two which are blue. Counter target spell, draw a card. Okay, so in the beginning, in alpha... Uh, Richard made a card called Counterspell. So in, I think it's Tempest, I made a card called Dismiss, which was Counterspell, draw a card. So we, we had, um, so in uh, Ice Age, um, the Ice Age designers came up with the idea of cantrips, which were cards in which you got a rider to draw a card. Now in, in Ice Age, they made you wait a turn to get the card. We eventually realized you could just draw the card right away. Um, so one of the things we like to do is take iconic spells and make cantrips out of them. Dismiss was beautiful. It was a, 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 you know, a counterspell cantrip. But then we realized the counterspell was too strong, and counterspell became cancel. So instead of being mute blue-blue, it became one blue-blue. So three men instead of two. Uh, but the problem was, and dismiss became a little bit too strong. So we kept saying that one day we should just make a new dismiss. Like, embrace the fact that counterspells are now cancel, and make a cancel um, cantrip. And we talked about it for years of doing that, and finally, finally we did it. We finally... Um, just said, you know what, dismiss is too strong, let's make a new cantrip counterspell, and let's make it a cancel uh, cantrip. And that's contradict. Uh, one of the things that's interesting, by the way, a little, a little tidbit for you, is when you see a card that has one name, and it's a nice, simple name, usually that is a clue that we think this card has re- re- reprint potential. Because one of the reasons, in fact, I would argue the most, uh, the, the resource we have the least amount of, of all the things we have, that we have, we have limited resources. Good, clean, clear names is probably the most limited resource. Um, and I felt this, you know, when I first was doing flavor text 20 years ago, when I first got the company, I was doing flavor text, I could feel the pinch 20 years ago, and now it's 20 years later. So one of the things we do is when we make a spell that we have every confidence that we're going to reprint, like it's the kind of spell that, like, look, this is the kind of spell we're going to bring back, we try to give it a nice, clean, simple name. And so that's one of the things that we're doing... Uh, you can tell what this card is contradict. It's a nice, clean, simple name. Um, so when you see a card with a nice, clean, simple name, odds are we have we believe there's potential to bring it back. Um, 
Because in the past, in the early days, we wasted a lot of good names. You're like, Teleport is on a card that might have never been cast in all time. Um, and it was like that. There's just some classic names that are on really dudsy dud, cards that are like, oh, that's where we wasted the name. So we're a lot more careful these days. I mean, not that we don't make mistakes or not that we don't occasionally use a good name and then go, oh, we thought this was going to be something we'd reprint and it ends up not being. Okay, next, Corpse Weft. Speaking of nice, clean, simple names. Uh, Corpse Weft, two black, enchantment. Um, so three mana, one which is black. For one black, so for two mana, one black. Uh, and for two mana, one of which is black. So one and a black. You can exile one or more creature cards from your graveyard. And then you got to put X, put XX black zombie horde creature token onto the battlefield, where X is twice the number of cards exiled this way. So the cool thing about this is that I spend, I, I spend one and a black, I exile any number of cards, I, I make this token. It's XX. So the first time I do it, let's say I exile two cards, I now have a 4-4 creature, because X is double the number of cards I've done this way. The cool thing is the next time I make a creature, it counts all the cards. X is a variable. It's not locked. It's not that I get a 4-4 a, a based on two cards I took this time. It just always looks at the cards and says, how many cards have been exiled this way? So the cool thing is over time, you can really build up a pretty big army with this. Um, the other thing that's kind of interesting is you need to remove at least one card to make a token. So there's an interesting balance of, I can remove more cards to make bigger tokens, but if I do that, I just can make less counters. And because all of them are XX, you know, there, there's a nice thing of, do I want to get bigger faster or do I want to sort of go slower but have more bigger things? Anyway, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool card. Okay, next, Cunning Breeze Dancer. So four white, blue, so it's a gold card. Uh, six mana, one white, one blue. It's a 4-4 four, four dragon. It's got flying. Um, and whenever you play a non-creature spell, it gets plus two, plus two till end of turn. Okay, so all intents and purposes, this has prowess, prowess. Um, we did not write that out because I assumed, I don't know, that we confused people? I'm not sure. Uh, for all intents and purposes, this has double prowess. Um, one of the things that we did is, oh, I, I know why it's not written out because there's no prowess in the set. That's why it's not written. That's, that's why it's not prowess, prowess. Um, so one of the things we did is we wanted to sort of carry over in the Ojitai clan, which was the Cunning clan, which was a.k.a. the Jeskai clan from back in Khans, of this idea of caring about non, non-creatures getting played. And so there's a bunch of cards in the set that say whenever you play a non-creature spell, blah. Um, this spell obviously is doing that. I, I think the reason we did plus two, plus two, so it's like not quite prowess, although it's double prowess essentially. Um, and one of the things we wanted to do with the gold cards is the gold cards are supposed to sort of play in the strategy that you're trying to do. And we wanted to make a cycle of gold dragons. These are uncommon. Um, and so this card is definitely trying to sort of say, okay, you want to play a white-blue deck? Well, let me give some hints on the kind of white-blue deck you want while at the same time being a dragon. Um, we normally make uncommon gold cards that help give you draft archetypes. The challenge this time is they're dragons. Um, and sometimes that is hard because sometimes, like, this is a archetype about not playing too many creatures. Well, but we have to make it on a creature, so. But anyway, I, I think it's a cool card, and it's a nice, it's a very different dragon. One, one of the things, one of our challenges of the set was, we're giving you a lot of 4-4 four, four to 6-6 six, six dragons, I mean, 4-4 four, four plus dragons, flying creatures. And so they, in a lot of ways, there's a lot of similarity to them, and we want to make sure that different dragons would encourage different kinds of decks. That we didn't want all the dragons just making you play the exact kind of deck and just swapping what the dragon is. Um, 
And so Cunning Breeze Dancer really says, okay, no, 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 I'm, I'm, a, I'm, not, how you, I'm not like a lot of other dragon decks. I want a very specific thing, you know. And, hey, if you play a bunch of non-creature spells, I can be your win condition. You don't need a lot, of, you know, a lot of me to be able to win with. And especially if you're playing spells, I can get pretty big pretty fast, you know. Like, all, for example, let's say um, earlier I talked about, or previous, I talked about the plus two, plus two rebound spell. Like, okay, I, if I play that on my creature for two turns in a row, it's an 8-8. Eight, eight. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty, um, pretty daunting, right? Uh, I have an 8-8 eight, eight flyer for two, two, two turns in a row. So, anyway, um, it's definitely a little more controlish kind of drag, which is pretty cool. Okay, next, Damnable Pact. X, black, black. So it's an X spell with two black mana. It's a sorcery. It says target player draws X cards and loses X life. So this card is unique in... Uh, not unique. There's other cards that can do it. But it's, it's an, it belongs to a special subgroup of cards, which is it's a card capable of killing a player in two different ways. And for style points, you can do it at the same time. So the idea of the spell is it's an X spell. You can use it on yourself. It's, 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 it's a... For all intents and purposes, it's a draw spell. It's a draw, draw X spell. But, because it's black, um, A, it requires some life payment to get the cards, which is normal for black. But B, it doesn't say you. It says target player. Which means is, if my opponent is low enough on life or on cards in the library, I can use this as a means to kill them. Um, and like I said, for extra style points, I can use this as a means to kill them in two different ways at the same time. Which is fun. Um... I've actually managed one time to kill somebody three ways in one game at one moment. Uh, during a uh, Scars of Mirrodin draft, I managed to kill somebody with damage and poison and deck them all in one turn. It's uh, a fine feat of mine because it's hard to win much more than three different ways. It's possible, but hard. Okay, next, Dance of the Skywise. It's an instant for one and a blue, two mana with one blue, two mana, one of which is blue. Until end of turn, target creature is a dragon illusion with base 4-4 four, four power, loses all abilities, and becomes and gains flying. So the idea is, for the turn, I overwrite any creature, and instead of what it normally is, it becomes a 4-4 four, four flying creature. Um, this is blue, has the ability to change, ch- change shapes of things. Um, we, we talk about using base power. One of the things that got really confusing is what overwrote what, what. And so now we use the term base power and toughness, which means imagine the card, instead of the number that's there, this number was there. And then you can apply whatever you need to apply it. Um, and that concept was a little easier for people to understand because you didn't really need to know layers. You know, you, a lot of um, stuff previously when we would change things, you had to sort of know what effects happened when to know how big it was. And now it's like, okay, we're changing the base power toughness. It means, see that number written on the card? Just imagine this was written on the card and then apply anything else you would apply like normal. Um, and it's become easier for people to grok. Because this kind of effect is fun, but it can be pretty confusing. Um, this is also interesting in that this, this effect is I can, if I need to, use it on my opponent if for some reason I can't kill the thing, but I could kill a 4-4 flyer. It's a little more dangerous because the dragon is a lot bigger. I mean, more often I think you'll use this on your guy to save your guy or pump your guy or get extra damage in or whatever. Um, but anyway, it, it's a nice flavorful spell. Okay, next. next Deathbringer. So, uh, Deathbr- sorry, Deathbringer Regent. Five black black for a five six dragon. It is flying, and then it enters the battlefield. If it's cast from your hand, and you have five or more other creatures on the battlefield, you destroy all other creatures. Okay, so this is part of the rare cycle. We have a rare cycle of monocolor dragons. I think called the Regents. 
um, meaning that they're like, I don't know, major commanders in the, uh, under the Dragon Lord. Um, and so the thing with this spell is we, or these, the cycle is, we really wanted to make sure that we had just individual cool monocolor dragons. Um, so this guy is, is pretty neat. What he says is essentially is, when I come into play, I'm a, a personal wrath, or not, not personal wrath, I'm a wrath that destroys everything but me. But, uh, because that's so powerful, there's a couple little riders on it to make sure that it keeps it in check. Uh, number one is, it says, you have to cast it. So you can't just reanimate it or get into play temporarily. You have to, af- you have to actually cast it from your hand. Um, meaning you've got, you got to pay the seven mana. Second thing is, there has to be five or other creatures in play, meaning if there's too few creatures on the board, it won't work. So what you have to do is wait to cast this, you know, until you have enough creatures between you and your opponent. Um, now the good news is, it's, once you have seven mana, the game's far enough along, there's a pretty good chance this is true. So while this is a restriction... Uh, it's more for constructed, I think, is why the restriction is there, to make sure that it's not too, too overwhelming in, in, uh, in constructed. Okay. Next. Death Mist Raptor. Okay. So this is one green green for a 3-3 three, three lizard beast. Um, so uh, three mana, two which is green. It's got death touch. Uh, permanents you control turn face whenever, whenever a permanent you control is turned face up. Um, you get to return this card from the gar- return this card from the graveyard, and you can return it either face up or face down. And it's got Megamorph four and a green, so five mana total, one of which is green. So the idea of this is a three three, um, and that it's got Megamorph, so you can play it face down. But you could play it face up uh, on, on turn three when you get it. And the idea is, when this thing dies, you're going to have the ability to bring this thing back. And how do you bring it back? By turning other things face up. So this is a card that wants to be played with other Megamorphs and Morphs uh, and Manifest cards. You want things that have face-down cards, because that's how this thing comes back. The cool thing also is, even if you just have four copies of this card, this card will bring itself back, because it has Megamorph. Um, But anyway, we're definitely trying to make some cards that encourage you to play other face-down cards. I think um, I think blue green uh, was the archetype was the face down archetype in this in Dragon's Shark here. Um, so we definitely made some cards to encourage you. I think this is a rare card, but um, if you happen to get this early in a draft pick, it does encourage a, a certain style of drafting. And even in constructed, it definitely says, "Hey, there's a reason to play a bunch of morph or megamorph cards together, or, or manifest, of course." Okay, next, Den Protector. One in a green, two mana, one of which is green. Two, one, Human Warrior. Creatures with power less can't block uh, Den Protector. It's got Megamorph, one in a green, and whenever you, you turn it face up, you get to regrowth the card. I mean, you get to take a card from your graveyard and put it into your hand. So this card is pretty potent. For starters, uh, it is a card that you're trying to play in a more aggressive deck. At turn two, you can have a two-power creature. Um, not quite Grizzly Bear... And that is not a 1G2-2, but it has some other really strong abilities, so that's okay. Um, for starters, it can't be blocked by anything that is equal to its power or less. Um, creature with power, le- oh, less than it. So, uh, as a 2-1, it can't be blocked by any 1-1 creature, or any 1-power creature. And being it's, a, it's got a 1 toughness, that's pretty relevant. Um, meaning it can't, it can't, it doesn't want to trade with something that's smaller than it, so it doesn't have to. Um, the other nice thing about this ability is it plays nicely with Megamorph because if you Megamorph the card, 
instead of being a 2-1, it's a 3-2, now power two or less can't block it. Um, so it, when, it, when it megamorphs, it just, it just, it's one of those cards that has an ability that cares about its power, which plays nicely with megamorph. That's one of the things when designing megamorph that we had to be conscious of is, because megamorph changes the power, we have some space where we can care about power, and that way when we reference power, it matters whether you, you have megamorphed it or not. Um, and once again, it's kind of neat that sometimes you'll draw the card, I mean, this card is cheap, but sometimes you'll draw a Megamorph when you can just cast it normally, and there's a reason to Megamorph it, and that's true even here. You know, even though it is, it is a two-mana card, you might want to save mana to the third turn, you know, save it to the third turn so that you, you could play it face down. Okay, next, Descent of Dragons. Descent of Dragons is four, red, red, so six mana, two of which is red, sorcery, Destroy any number of creatures, and then replace each one with a 4-4 flying dragon. Uh, it's a creature token. Um, this card is quirky. It's quirky in red. Uh, basically, what it's trying to do is turn everything into a dragon, or turn any number of things you want into a dragon. Um, it's weird. Normally, the space is where we go in blue. It's not traditionally a red card. Uh, whenever we've let red mess around with polymorphing, it's usually temporary. Uh, we haven't done much of that. In, we actually really haven't done much of that. But uh, the, the, I think this card um, is messing around with the idea that it's turning things into dragons, and turning things into dragons is a really red thing. I think that's why it's here. Um, it's a good example of trying to use the dragon flavor to sort of let red dip its toe in some place that doesn't do all that much. Um, I think red is. I do think red has done this before. I think red has made things into dragons before. Um, so it's... I think there's precedence there. But anyway, it's, it's a quirky card in that. It's really kind of a blue card dressed up in red. Um, I, I mean, there's a fine discussion about whether or not red should do more temporary, sort of, you know, become something temporarily. Should red be messing in that space? Especially if it's an unknown thing. Like, I talked about polymorphing, I talked about. Like, should red sort of, it's going to turn into something, what's it going to turn into? But anyway. Next, display of dominance. One in a green, instant. Choose one. You can destroy a blue or black non-creature permanent, or permanents you control can't be the target of blue or black spells that opponent controls until end of turn. Okay, so you have two options. Um, one is it's a bramble crush, but only for blue and black per- non-creature permanents. So it can destroy everything but creatures, which green can do. Or it can be used to protect your creatures. Um, so this is very interesting. It, can be very, it has like an, ag- an aggressive... Um, or it can be very defensive. So it can be offensive or defensive. Whether you want to destroy your opponent's thing or whether you want to protect your thing. So it's kind of cool. This is part of a cycle. There's a color hosing cycle. Um, one of the things that we don't do a lot of anymore. When Magic first started, you, look, you go look at Alpha. The enemies was very prevalent in the set. Like who liked who and disliked who, especially who disliked who, was very free. There's a lot of color hosing in Alpha. I am this color. I hate my enemy. or I hate both my enemies. Alpha usually hated one enemy at a time, but since then we've done a lot of hating both enemies. Um, but anyway, we've, we've dialed back on that. We've, we definitely don't make as many color-hating cards as we used to. But we decided um, to make a cycle in the set. I think this got put in during development. I don't think design made this. Um, anything else to say about this card? Uh, we'll talk about the cycle. It, it is, uh, this is a pretty clean card in giving you sort of options of how best to make use of a color hoser. So, so anyway, I'm sitting in traffic uh, for some reason. Normally, when I drive to work, there it just smoothly goes along. Um, so I don't know what's going on. 
But anyway, as we say, more traffic for me means more content for you. And I got more cards to talk about, so we're in good shape. Okay, now next, Draconic Roar. So Draconic Roar is a red instant, costs two mana, one of which is red, so one and a red. Um, as an additional cost, you may reveal a dragon card from your hand. Uh, you get to deal three damage to target creature, and if you reveal the dragon card, you get to also do three damage to that creature's controller. Okay, so this card is playing around in another space, which is we wanted to have a dragon theme, but the issue is we didn't want to have a lot of low-rarity dragons. So what, how do we do that? Well, one of the things is, like I always like to say, if your theme's not a common, it's not your theme. We needed to have some ways of common to care about dragons. Um, like I said, when design handed the set over, we did have one dragon. I'll get, when I get to that dragon, I'll talk about it. We did have one common dragon. It ended up becoming uncommon, but you know, I'll, get to, I'll talk to the card when I get to it. Um, but anyway, this is a good example of having some cards that care about dragons. And how do you care about dragons? You care about them being in your hand. Why is that so important? Because dragons tend to be big, expensive creatures. If you only could care about them once they're in play, that's hard to do sometimes. And there are a few cards that care about them being in play. We have the cycle of uncommons that put plus some counters on the ones that are in play. So there are definitely ones that can care about it being in play. These care about you having in your hand, which is pretty cool. Um, one of the things we've learned over the years is um, the cost of revealing something really feels to players like this free cost. Like, I had my hand anyway. Um, but, it, but it actually means something. It does require you to have the dragons in your deck. requires you to have drawn the dragons. So it is a neat way to sort of say, hey, it's relevant and important that you have dragons. So, anyway. Um, and, and this spell... So one of the things we wanted is we wanted to make sure that the rider was valuable to you, but not so valuable that you couldn't play it without dragons. Because the problem is your ad spend of dragons is only going to be so high. There's only so many dragons you can play in any one deck. I mean, maybe constructed where you can, you can make sure you can get them out. But, like, in limited, look, you're going to have a, ramp, a creature ramp. You know, you're going to want to have some cheaper stuff. Yeah, your higher-up stuff gets to be dragons, but how many dragons do you get to have? Um, so this spell is nice in that, yeah, you want to play this spell. You're going to kill a creature. This, you know, this is just a spell you want to play. Two mana, three damage to a creature, you're going to play. But it sort of says, okay, well, hey... You know, the more dragons you play, the better off this spell will be. So it allows you to either play a lot of dragons and say, okay, I'm pretty confident it'll happen, or play fewer dragons and go, okay, it's not always going to happen, but man, you know, it's a card I want to play anyway, and there's a neat upside if I happen to have a dragon. Okay, next, Dragon Hunter. So a card with dragon in his name that's white. It doesn't happen a lot. Okay, that's way white dragons, but this is an anti-dragon card. So Dragon Hunter is white, 2-1, Human Warrior, it has protection from dragons, and it can block dragons as if it had reach. So one of the things we were trying to do is make sure we hit some of the dragon tropes. Um, one of my actual complaints about the set is, I think because of some of the decisions we made for story purposes, we didn't get as many dragon tropes as we normally get, and um, I-, I wish we had access to a little more dragon tropes. But anyway, one of the dragon tropes is the dragon hunter. It's like the person who hunts and kills dragons. And how do you do that? It's kind of tricky. So... First off, we gain protection from dragons, so dragons can't kill him. Um, and, and the next thing we did is we gave him a, a reach. Now, white normally... So reach has long been a green ability. Um, we have dabbled with it being secondary in white. I think we recently decided to make it secondary in red rather than secondary in white. So it's a little bit different from... Um, it's a little bit different. Uh, 
But anyway, I think we decided to do it here because we needed, like, you can't have a dra- Dragon Hunter really wanted to be a white card. And, you know, it's, r- dragons are based in red, it's red's enemy. Um, white just seems ca- like the kind of color that would be like, I'm against, dra- you know, dragons are this chaotic uh, evil that, we, that must be purged. And so I've become the Dragon Hunter. That just felt super white. Um, also, since this time, uh, I announced when Magic Origins came out that we've kind of uh, downgraded protection. So this is one of the, this is, is a card with protection. You'll occasionally think things with protection. So it's not that you couldn't see a card like this again. You, you might. Um, but protection is going to be used a lot few and far between. So, so anyway, um, that is uh, Dragon Hunter. Okay, next, Dragon Tempest. You get, you get a lot of cards with dragon in their name. Okay, so this is an enchantment. Uh, it says, creatures with flying enter the battlefield with haste until end of turn. Uh, and dragons, you can, whenever a dragon you control enters the battlefield, you get to deal X damage to target creature or player, where X is the number of dragons you control. Well, I just talked about how not all things can care about dragons being in play, but this one can. Um, in fact, this is meant to be a deck that says, okay, you want to play a dragon deck? You want to fill your deck with dragons? Okay, I'm going to enable dragons. And it does it in a couple ways. Number one is, it gives them all haste, so it makes all your dragons in haste. The reason it does until end of turn is... Um, it's just cleaner to not have to remember it because if it ever changes um, ownership and it has haste, you have to remember that this thing has haste. Um, and so what we do is we, we said, okay, look, it, it, all you really care about is your dragon saving haste the turn you play them. Um, and um, if you ever somehow lose it and get it back, it still has flying, it'll still have haste as long as it's out. So we just do it end of turn. So for memory issues, if somehow... Um, this thing is here and grants your creature and then it goes away. It just, it's cleaner and clearer that it's only when it's in play where you have haste the turn you, you play them. Um, or the, the first turn they have them. Um, although I, I guess it's true. I guess if I steal it back, I, this, this trigger won't happen. It only happens when I enter the battlefield. If I flicker or I do something else, it, it, it will count it. Okay, next. Anytime you play a dragon, anytime a dragon you control enters the battlefield, it deals X. So the neat thing about this is it... if. The first dragon does something, because it's a dragon. It gets to count itself. So the first dragon gets to do one damage, and then each dragon, provided the dragon stick around, gets to sort of go up and up and do more and more damage. Um, and in a set that cares about dragons, remember there's ways to turn things into dragons. There's artifacts that be temporarily become dragons. You know, there's a bunch of different ways to um, up your dragon count so that when your dragon comes into play, you can have even more dragons. Requires a lot of mana, although dragons in general require a lot of mana. Okay, I'm sitting still in the freeway. Okay, I got two more pages of cards. Hopefully, uh, this two more pages gets us to, us to work. Uh, how, let's see how much time I have so far. Ooh, so I'm... Normally, I would already be at work. Uh, instead, I am sitting in traffic. But like I said, like I said, more traffic, more content. Okay, next we get to the... Oh, the Dragon Lords. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the four, five Dragon Lords. Okay, we start with Dragon Lord Atarka. He's five red-green, so seven mana total, one of which is red, one of which is green. He's an 8-8 legendary creature, Elder Dragon. We'll get back to that in a second. He's flying. He is trample. And when you enter the battlefield, he deals five, he has, he deals five damage, divided any way you, you want between uh, creatures or planeswalkers and opponent controls. Um, it's funny, I... Uh, oh, anyway. Um, okay, so let me talk about the Elder Dragon's um, so, back in Legends, there were five uh, dragons that were so old that they were called the Elder Dragon Legends. Uh, Nicole Bull is probably the most famous of them. Um, but anyway, uh, 
it's become kind of a, a mythos of magic, the Elder Dragons. Uh, the commander format when it started was called, the, uh, was called El- Elder Dragon Highlander, EDH. Um, so originally, when, you, when the, the format first started, you, you only had the access of five, um, five commanders, which was one of the five Elder Dragons. That's how it started. And pretty quickly, they're like, oh, okay, whatever, any, any legend creature is fine. Um, but anyway, I think Doug was in charge of doing card types for the set, and it just dawned on him that we know these dragons are like 1,300 years old. In fact, they're, you know, whatever, they're a bunch older than that. But we've, we, they've been around for a long time. And he's like, you know what? Elder Dragons is a cool thing. Why don't we just make these guys Elder Dragons? Who, who's to say we can't have more Elder Dragons? And so he made them Elder Dragons. Um, it's funny. I, I don't know. It, the, we have a lot of books written, and so some, some are something talked about what exactly an Elder Dragon is, and I'm not sure if, when he made these, Doug followed those exact rules, um, but we finally decided that, okay, those are maybe how Elder Dragons are named on Dominaria. It's a Tarkir. You know what? You're really, really old. We, you know, we, the Elder Dragon is something that we could share. It's fun. It was a nice Easter egg sort of thing for those that knew it. Um, but anyway, I think it was kind of cool. Um, so one of the questions I get with this guy is, he's a dragon, so he gets flying. Uh, Red can have access to Trample, and his ability is a pretty red ability um, that you get to divide damage when it comes into play. Um, one of the things that's important to remember is when you're making gold cards, is a lot of times you are trying to make cards that, like we're doing factions here. This is the leader of the faction. We are trying to get the essence of the faction. Um, mostly when we do gold cards, we try to make sure we make a nod so the card isn't just a monocolored card. Um, the answer here is, look, it is, I mean, Trample is slightly more of a green thing than a red thing. Um, this is the leader of the red-green clan. He's doing things that's pretty cool. We're trying to capture what Dragonlord of Tarka is like, and that, um, sometimes we're making gold cards and there's factions. We just try to capture the faction. This is a Tarka. Um, because if you're a slave too much to saying, oh, I must have enough red and enough green, sometimes you make a card that, like, technically follows the rules, but is a less cool card. Um, and so we tried with the Dragon Lords to really embody what the Dragon Lord was and what they were trying to do. Um, and so it is true you could have made this card as a mono red card, but I think that it is um, a good job of being what a Tarka wanted to be and being the kind of, you know, does the things that the Tarka deck would want to do. Okay, next, Dr- uh, Dragon Lord Dromoka. Four green white, six mana total, one green, one white, five, seven legend. Elder Dra- legendary creature, Elder Dragon. Uh, it can't be countered. It's flying. It is lifelink. An opponent can't, can't cast spells during your turn. So Dromoka definitely is be- playing a more defensive game. Um, in fact, a lot of his abilities are defensive. You know, you can't counter me. You can't play spells on my turn, so you can't kill me with, with you know, in- instant tricks on my turn in the middle of combat. Uh, I mean, you can do them on your account. You can, if I'm blocking, you can do them. Can't do it when I'm attacking. Um, we also wanted to mix up how, the size of them. So, for example, notice that Atarka was 8-8. It's big, beefy, you know. In fact, uh, one of the cutesy things I forgot to mention about Atarka is Atarka's ability is formidable. Well, guess what? When Atarka's around, things are formidable because he himself has 8 power worth it. Uh, that was done very specifically. Um, Dragonlord Jamoka, 5-7. A little more defensive. It's the Endurance Clan. So, you know, it's got a 7 toughness. It's definitely able to survive stuff. And then it just has a bunch of abilities that help it. In addition, we also gave it lifelink. So not only is it defensive, but it also helps, helps defend you, the player. Helps protect you. 
Um, that lifelink's a good thing to make it harder for your opponent to be able to get rid of you. Um, uh, anything else about Dromoka? Um, I don't know. So, it, um, Okay, let's move on. Dragonlord uh, Kolokan. Four black, red, so six mana total. One black, one red. Six, four. Legendary creature, Elder Dragon. It's got flying. It's got haste. Other creatures you control have haste. And when another opponent casts a creature or a planeswalker with the same name as one in their graveyard, that player loses 10 life. Bum, bum, bum. Okay, so Kolagon does a couple things. One is, um, for starters, he's a six mana, six four dragon that is flying in haste. That, that in a vacuum, by the way, is not too bad. And the fact that he gives all your other creatures haste is pretty valuable. Um, his last ability was trying to punish you. Like, he, he's trying to punish the opponent for being too consistent. Um, I felt like it was a very flavorful ability. The problem we ran into was the following problem, which is whenever we make a legendary creature, that means that the commander format can use it. And this card has an ability that doesn't apply to the commander format because it's a singleton format. This is like, I'll punish you when you do something that's impossible to do in the commander format. So one of the complaints we got about this card was that how dare we make a legendary creature that had an, a component that wasn't playable for commander. Uh, and the answer there is basically the following, which is, um, look, we can't, not every, like, we understand that legendary creatures are played in the commander format, and we are conscious of the commander format when we make legendary creatures. But we cannot make 100% of all legendary creatures just for the commander format. This was a cool card that was flavorful, has a lot of play in Constructed, a um, little bit in Limited, much more Constructed. Um, but anyway, we thought it was a cool card with a cool ability. We're, we're not going to shy away from making cool cards, you know. We make a lot of Legendary Creatures, and this card, even without that ability, probably still is playable in Commander. A 6-5 flying haste guy that gives all you guys haste is pretty good. Especially if you can keep bringing him back because he's your commander. Um, so anyway, I, I think the answer to that is just we can't let any format dictate all the cards of a subset. We can't say every legendary creature must be 100% the best it can be in Commander because there's cool cards and legendary creatures are not solely the main of Commander. It's a component of Commander and we think about Commander when we make legendary creatures but there's other, there are other things we are doing with legendary, legendary creature and that Commander format is one of them. It is not the only thing. Okay, next. Dragonlord Ojitai. Three white blue for a 5-4 legendary creature. Elder Dragon, of course. It's got flying. It is hexproof if untapped. Uh, and whenever it deals combat damage, you can reveal the top three cards of your library and put one in hand and the rest of the bottom library in any order. Okay, so Ojitai is the Cunning Clan. So how do we play into that? Well, there's a couple things. First off, um, it, it can fly. It has an interesting hexproof ability. Um, one of the problems we've found is that hexproof is really pro- problematic when put on with evasive creatures, because normally the way you deal with a hexproof creature is with other creatures. You block it. But if I have evasion, that's like, I'm hard to block, and I'm hard to deal with, you know, it's hard to get rid of me with spells, and so it really becomes a problem area. Um, and so, um, the, we, so we, we, we've been moving around trying hexproof variants. We're trying one of them here. Um, 
it's kind of neat. It says, look, as long as you're sitting here and not causing problems for me or being defensive, I can't stop you. But when you try to get in and do damage to me, okay, that's the open of a window where I maybe can deal with you. Um, and because it has a combat damage, like, okay, you're going to kind of want to attack with this thing. Um, the neat thing about, uh, about the combat trigger is it could have just been drawn a card, but like, you know what? This is a specialist of Dragon Lord. It's a little better than that. And he's smart. Uh, so we want to add a little cunning to it. So the idea is he gets to draw a card, but he gets the impulse for the card. He gets to look at three cards and pick the one he wants most. Um, I mean, one of the things that's neat is when you're trying to sort of capture this essence of something, like cunning, um, giving the player a little bit of decision does a lot, gives a lot way to get, help feeling the, the sense of cunning across. Um, and it was important that we wanted Ojitai to definitely have that, that sense. Um, okay, next. Dragon Lord Silumgar. Four blue black, so it's six mana, one of which is blue, one of which is black. Three five legendary creature, Elder Dragon. He has flying, he has death touch. That's one of the reasons he can be a little bit smaller. Uh, when he enters the battlefield, you gain control of target creature or planeswalker um, as long as he's on the battlefield. So he gets to steal something. This is the ruthless clan, the sneaky ruthless clan. Well, stealing things is pretty powerful. And if you notice, by the way, um, not all of them do this, but all the ones that care about creatures also care about Planeswalker. Dragon Atarka can do damage not just to creatures, but also to Planeswalkers. Um, Dragon Lord Kulagan cares about replication not just of creatures, but about Planeswalkers. So three of the five sort of reference both creatures and Planeswalkers. There's a little nod to the cycle, something doing a little bit different, feeling a little more special. These are mythics. Um, so the other thing that this can do, besides uh, stealing things... Um, is it has Death Touch, and so it's a little deadlier. It's a little smaller. Um, the funny thing is when this card came out, so this card was all the rage when it premiered, but it had nothing to do with the, with the card power or the card ability. Um, the, so in the picture, you see that Silumgar is wearing a necklace that has a, what looks like a, I don't know, some sort of mummified body on it. Um, and if you look closely at the clothing, a bunch of people correctly identified that... Um, what was his name? Uh, during Fate Reforge, we made um, sort of clan leaders, and one of the clan leaders... Oh, I'm blinking on his name now. Anyway, one of the clan leaders, the clan leaders of, of the Proto-Sultai clan, uh, yeah, Proto-Sultai clan, which was a ruthless, ruthless clan, um, he was dressed in the same clothing, and is like, oh, is this him? And we're like, yes, it is. Uh, it is him. And so uh, the idea of Silmgar wearing for, like his, the former leader of his clan as jewelry, just as, not as an everyday thing, as an occasional, like, you know, when you want to dress up and look nicer. Um, he knew he was having art done for the card, so he wanted to look his best. So he pulled out his, his, good, his good jewelry. Um, but anyway, that, that got, uh, I know um, our social media people made up necklaces. There was some event right around there, so they went to the event and they made little... Um, Blinking on his name, but little necklaces of him. So, anyway, it's pretty cute. Um, okay, so, um, Silmar, like I said, is a control card. Um, that's why it's a little bit smaller because you have to be able to deal with him to get your thing back. But, uh, I, anyway, I, uh, the thing I like about the Dragon Lords, real quickly here, is that I, I think the Dragon Lords did a good job of being kind of cool, fun, splashy cards. Each one of them really went in a different kind of deck. And they encourage you to build a specific kind of deck. There definitely was a sort of strategy to building it. Um, and I think, I think that was pretty cool. Um, why am I in all this traffic today? It's funny, as I'm talking to you, I, I actually have 
an important 10 o'clock meeting. I left today at 9 o'clock. I have an important 10 o'clock meeting that I really can't be late for. Um, and when I'm recording my podcast, I can't use the phone because I have to turn off the phone so that no one calls me in the middle of a podcast. And because when someone calls, it hangs, the recording stops. And so, in fact, I don't know if I ever told that story that I was doing my very first podcast ever. I was testing, like, I was like, could this be the kind of thing that, you know, I can make a podcast? So I, I was doing a test to see if I could do the podcast. And, like, I'm, like, halfway to work, and I'm, like, I'm in the rhythm, and I'm doing real cool stuff, and, like, oh, this is working. And then my wife calls me and says, uh, you know, do we need butter? Or I don't know what the call was for. But um, some, something, which some simple question. that like, I could have turned it off. She could have asked me later. But she had no idea. Like, I, I, now she knows I do, I do my podcasting, so she's aware of it. But back in the time, I was just kind of testing the waters. And so, anyway. So the very first podcast I ever do, it interrupted. And then I realized that, oh, I got to turn on the, uh, you know, I got to turn off my... My phone, you know, I got to turn on the, the airline setting so that no one can call me. Um, but it also means that while I'm doing this, I, I can't call out either. And so um, I'm watching the clock. I, I, uh, in nine minutes, my, my meeting starts. And I, I can't tell, tell you why it's so important, but it's a very important meeting. And so I do not want to be late. Um, but traffic started moving, so I'm hoping. Anyway, we, we shall see. Um, I, I also have the dual problem of I prepared stuff for today. And I basically made enough for, um, you know, almost two podcasts worth of material. And we're coming up on almost being two podcasts long. So anyway, we'll keep going. Dragon Lord Servant. One in a red, one three Goblin Shaman. Dragon spells you cast cost one less. So this is another card that helps you play a dragon deck. Um, And it helps you in a way that's a very important way to help you, which is it helps you actually get the dragons out. So one of the tricky things is um, green can produce mana, but um, red um, red doesn't really... I mean, red does instant mana, so maybe we could have gone there. But one thing we could do is red can make things cheaper. We let any color make things cheaper. And so one of the ways to help you is to say, okay, I'm a little 1-3 guy, and I just make all your dragons cheaper. And if you get a bunch of me out, I, I can... I mean, it only reduce the colorlessness, but, you know, if you want to look at something like... The, the Dragon Lords I just talked about, you know, all of them have colorless mana. They all have at least three or four, I think, color, yeah, three, at least three colorless mana, three generic mana, sorry, sorry. Um, and uh, so th- this, you, you get a bunch of these out, really does help play things. Okay, next. Dromoka Dunecafter. It's a 0-2 for a single white human wizard. For one tap, tap, one, one and a white tap, tap target creature without flying. Um, so one of the tricky things about doing a set is you have to sort of, especially for limited, think about what you're doing, and one of the ways to play up your theme is to be careful about the things that are anti your theme. So, for example, one of the things going on here is um, we like to have tappers in white, but wow, tappers, you know, if I spend all this mana, I get a giant dragon, and then for like one or two mana, you can just tap it down every turn. Wow, that really hosts dragons. So I said, okay, we're going to have a tapper in the set, what we're going to do is make the tapper not be able to tap dragons. So we said it can only tap non-flying creatures because pretty much all the flying creatures are dragons. Um, we could have said uh, can't tap dragons, but we decided to be a little more looser in it. But most of the time, the flyers are dragons. But anyway, that p- part of making a set work is being very conscious of what's being built around it. Okay, next, Dromoka's Command. Uh, it's a green-white instant. You choose two. Uh, so it commands, uh, these are the, we did a cycle of uh, ally commands. So choose two, prevent all damage, target instant sorcery would deal this turn. 
Target player sacks an enchantment. Put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. Or target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. So once again, the first two abilities are uh, white. Second two abilities are green. It's funny. Normally when they do that, they match the mana cost. Which means normally on this card you would think that green would come first, then white. Um, my guess is that there was some order that you wanted to do the effects in, so they put them in that order. Um, the way it works on a command is, if you choose two things, you literally do the thing that's higher up, is what you do. Um, so, um, anyway, I'm, I'm sure there's an ordering with why they went white, green, instead of green, white. Okay. Next, Elusive Spellfist. So Elusive Spellfist is uh, one and a blue, two mana, one is blue, one, three, human monk, um, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, it gets plus one, plus oh, and unblockable to end a turn. I assume the reason it said plus one, plus oh, and not plus one, plus one, is so it wouldn't exactly have prowess. Um, it also gains unblockable, which is kind of neat. So the idea is, it's a one, three, that becomes a two, three unblockable when you play a non-creature spell. So, in a deck that has sort of a controlling aspect, that has a lot of non-creature spells, it's nice, because this thing can help get damage in. Okay, next, Encase in Ice. It's an aura... One in a blue, flash, enchant, enchant red or green creature. Uh, when you enter the battlefield, it taps the creature, and then that creature doesn't untap. So it's a dehydration uh, variant for red or green spells. This is part of the color hosing cycle. Well, red or green has a lot of creatures. Blue needs answers to those creatures. And so one of the things is color hosers usually are good answers. Well, in this set, red and green have a lot of dangerous things, including dragons, so this sort of locks them down. So both taps and locks them down. Um, it's vulnerable to some sort of removal, so it actually is slightly better against red than green, because red cannot remove auras as easily as green can remove auras, but it's still valuable against both of them. Um, okay, next, Enduring Scale Lord. Four green-white for four-four dragon. It is flying, and if one or more plus one plus one counters are put on another creature you control, then you put a plus one plus one counter on this. So the idea of this card is, it's a dragon... I mean, it starts as a decent-sized dragon, it's 4-4, but every time you bolster, every time you, um, uh, you, um, outlast, every time you do anything that gets a counter, just this gets bigger and bigger. And so it's kind of a dragon that cares about counter. So once again, we're trying to make dragons that go in different style of decks. In Limited, look, this is good enough, you'll play a 4-4 flyer, and probably you have some ways to get plus and plus some counters, you have some bolster, you have some, um, outlast probably, um, but in a deck dedicated to it, you can make sure. The neat thing is, it looks at the number of different creatures, so really what you want is a deck that makes sure a lot of different creatures get a plus one, plus one counter. Okay, Epic Confrontation, one green sorcery, one colorless, uh, one generic and a green. Um, so, target creature you control gets plus one, plus two till end of turn, and it fights target creature you don't control. Um, so this is just the fight spell. The cool thing about this is the picture. So we had a spell, uh, which I think was a fight spell in Khan's Tarkir, that, oh no, no, it was a, was it a giant growth? Anyway, it was a, it was a spell to help you win fights, um, and it showed uh, Sorak punching a bear. Uh, and so I said on this card, we had three options, we wanted to make reference to it. So the options were, we could see um, a bear punching Sorak, we could see Sorak punching a dragon, or we could see a drag, dragon punching Sorak. So... We decided that um, we liked... I mean, obviously the dragons are, are winning now, so we, we wanted the dragons involved, so no bear. Let, let's see a dragon. We definitely wanted a dragon involved. Um, but we 
I, we like the idea of the parallelism. So instead of watching Sarek get punched by somebody, what if he's punching? But this is a dragon this time. Sarek's a badass. Before he was a badass in a world without dragons, so he's punching bears. Now he's a badass in a world with dragons. You know what? He's punching dragons. Um, okay. Next, Fladden, three bleed instant. Target creature gets minus four, minus four until end of turn. So you can tell by the name, Fladden, it's a nice, simple effect we've never done before. We gave it a nice, simple name so we could use it. Um, it's a nice, clean kill spell for black. Finally, Faux Razor Regent. Five green, green, seven mana, two of which is green. A four, five dragon is flying. When it enters the battlefield, you fight creature you don't control. And then whenever a creature you control fights a creature you don't control, at the end of the turn, it gets two plus one, plus one counters. So this wants to go in a deck with lots of fighting. Luckily, it's going to fight, so when it comes in play, it's going to fight, and then end of turn, go from a 4-5 to become a 6-7. So at bare minimum, it's a 6-7 flyer. Um, but if you have, a, you know, this is in green, you have the ability to fight, so as long as you have other fighting, then you can, uh, you can do that. Okay, guys, I'm going to do something I've never done before, which is it is almost 10 o'clock, and I have a very important meeting, so I actually have to make a call, and I ran out of cards I had to talk about. So we're going to do something I've never done before, which is I'm driving on the freeway. You all know what that means. You don't because I've never done this before, but it means this is my end of my drive to work. Uh, So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be calling my meeting and telling them I'm running late. But anyway, thanks for joining me for the special almost hour-long show. Uh, I'll see you next time for more Dragons of Dark here. Bye-bye.